This is Incomplete Design History, a podcast that explores overlooked and ignored topics in graphic design history. It is our goal to deepen and expand the knowledge, understanding, and interpretation of design history. Because history is messy, it's incomplete. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Mandy Horton. This season of Incomplete Design History will focus on BIPOC designers and design culture. Posters have long been tools of political purposes. They provide a window into moments in history and are a great example of a collective graphic memory. The posters produced to support specific movements, however imperfect or politically motivated, are memory. They are history. In the Middle East, turbulent historical events that were at times guided by Western powers gave rise to two similar yet distinct political movements. The first began in 1948 when 750,000 Palestinians were forced to leave their homes as Israel took over the area. War over the territory followed as Palestinians who hoped to return to their homeland knew that they would have to fight and resist as much with ideas as with weapons. Nearly 30 years later, in 1977, Iran had its own surge of political posters. After repeated attempts throughout the 20th century to install a democratic government in Iran, the Iranian Revolution aimed to rid the country of Western influence. The 1979 culmination of the movement resulted in a consolidated government power under Ayatollah Khomeini and the first Islamic Republic in the world. The posters produced for each movement share the theme of resistance, of standing up to an oppressive power. Yet each had their own unique set of visual conventions that became the hallmarks not just of the posters, but of the movements they represented and supported. Before we get to talking about the posters, it's important to understand that it's very difficult to discuss political posters without also discussing the politics involved and the complexity they bring along with them. However, we hope that it will be apparent how much these posters were a part of the political struggles that we will examine. During the 1940s and 1950s, the U.S. and the Soviet Union emerged as world superpowers, displacing France and Britain. The Arabic world would be profoundly affected by this change. Many Arab nations declared their independence from their British and French colonizers. The Hashemite Kingdom of Iraq became independent from Britain in 1921. Egypt declared their independence also from Britain in 1922. Later, Syria in 1941, Lebanon in 1943, Libya in 1951, Sudan in 1956, and Algeria in 1963 all declared independence from France. The people of these nations wanted a clean break from their colonial past and awakened national identities with new flags, logos, coins, and stamps in the colors traditionally considered Arabic and Islamic, black, white, green, and red. It wasn't the same story for Palestine. Back in 1917, Britain made the Balfour Declaration, which would establish Palestine as a place for Jewish people. It would lead to mass immigration and continuous conflict between the Jewish settlers and Palestine's native population. By the end of World War II in 1945, the differences between them had become irreconcilable, and Britain, strapped for resources during the war, handed this matter over to the United States. The United Nations partition of Palestine in November of 1947 was followed by the civil war between Jews and Arabs in Palestine. On May 14, 1948, the British withdrew completely and Israeli statehood was declared despite the tension. 
Following Britain's withdrawal, hostilities were again ignited between the two groups. In the aftermath of the Arab-Israeli War, Israel controlled the area designated by the United Nations, as well as almost 60% of the area reserved for Palestinians. The remainder of the land, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, came under the control of Egypt and Transjordan. As Palestine effectively ceased to exist, 750,000 Palestinians lost their homes and were forced out, fleeing to Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, and Transjordan. The impact of the Arab-Israeli war profoundly destabilized Arab nations who were still in the process of shaping their own identities free from Western powers. Revolutions, coups, and assassinations plagued the emerging national orders. Syria's president was overthrown in 1949 by a military coup. The Egyptian monarchy was overthrown by the Free Officers' Coup in 1952. The Iraq monarchy was overthrown in 1958. Egypt and Syria formed the United Arab Republic that lasted until 1961. Relations between Israel and its neighbors worsened after the 1948 war. Israel attacked Egypt in 1956, then again just over a decade later in 1967, waging war against Egypt, Syria, and Jordan. In six days, Israel defeated all three, destroying the entire Egyptian air force in the process and seized big chunks of land. The aptly named Six Days War changed the balance of power in the Middle East. The result was the loss of Arab confidence that led to radicalization of Arab politics, both of which manifested in the design and artistic output of the regions. Under the regime of Gamal Abid al-Nasser in Egypt, a revolution in design took place that resulted in an elevation in design by way of propaganda and publications. Palestinians and Arabic peoples rallied together to memorialize the traumatic events that would lead to losing Palestine. After the 1948 Declaration of Israeli Statehood and the ensuing war, Palestinians began to realize they would have to fight to get their homes back. In 1959, Yasser Arafat founded the Palestinian National Liberation Movement, which would later join the Palestinian Liberation Organization, or PLO, in 1967. The PLO reignited Arab nationalism. Palestinians and Arabic peoples worked together, including artists and designers. The early years of Palestinian resistance posters had strong ties to magazines, which became playgrounds for poster designers. These creatives were tasked with the work of visualizing the struggle of the Palestinian people using symbols and slogans. In the 1960s, these posters gave the Palestinians a powerful voice and were an integral part of Palestinian visual culture, expressing the human feelings of suffering and hope. After the 1952 officers' coup in Egypt, access to Egyptian universities became a key factor for Palestinian students who would develop Palestinian visual culture. Many leading artists in the movement were educated at the University of Cairo, including Ishmael Shemot, who was the most prominent designer of Palestinian political posters. Some consider him to be the father of Palestinian political symbolism. Shamut was a multidisciplinary designer, giving him a unique status as someone who could design in many different mediums. He also showed work as an artist in 1953 at a gallery in Gaza on the occupation, displacement, and exile of Palestinians. 
Shamut first studied at the University of Cairo from 1950 to 1954. The influence of his Egyptian instructors shows in his early works. He then studied at a private graphic design workshop in Beirut in 1958. This helped him understand the elements of poster creation and production. He learned photography and printing techniques, which would also have a strong impact on his technical solutions in his design work. The PLO commissioned Shemot many times to design posters and logos. He was one of the first designers to work for the PLO and design their logo. The shield logo featured a map and flag of Palestine with a flame above. Perhaps too complex for modern tastes, it is nevertheless considered successful and would go on to inspire later PLO logos. The logo became a key feature of Shemot's posters, and the idea was copied in the posters of many other designers at the time. And there were a lot of them. Many would donate their artwork to be used on the posters or covers of Palestinian magazines and saw a chance to express their own struggles. The posters were militant, intellectual, realistic, and linked with the events that were shaping the Arab world. The common visual vocabulary for resistance posters included colors of the Palestinian flag, red, white, green, and black, and different combinations of visuals and scripts, sometimes in two languages. Common symbols included the peace dove, an olive branch, the map and the flag of Palestine, a hammer and sickle, a torch, a five-sided star, as well as the Zionist six-pointed star, barbed wire, prison bars, locks and shackles, and snakes. The hero figure of these posters went from Palestinian fighter to a laborer, teacher, or farmer following the PLO's expulsion from Lebanon in 1982. The posters wouldn't always be hung in the streets of Israel, so they circulated widely in the diaspora instead. They had to appeal to people who were displaced far away, and they had to have very unambiguous meaning. Although resistance posters were intended as propaganda, they would become so much more than that for Palestinians. They fueled the resistance in their ideology. They would not only communicate events, but also transmit ideas. The posters spread across the diaspora, finding their way into refugee camps, offices, schools, military bases, and training camps spreading the idea of the Palestinian revolution and exposing Zionist and imperial politics. The defiant and confrontational nature of these posters made it a useful weapon in difficult situations. Mona Saudi, head of art at the PLO, said, The poster, like all facets of the revolution, flourished after major events like the June War and the Karma Battle, in addition to important political and military events. By capturing the essence of historical events, posters were able to cast a heroic light on the ongoing Palestinian resistance and to present the hope that the resistance was ongoing. The events of the 1980s were heightened by the escalation of aggressive Israeli attacks on Palestinians. Israel wanted to eliminate the PLO since it gained a social and political role that was recognized internationally. The 1982 Israeli invasion of Lebanon and the subsequent siege and bombardment of Beirut resulted in breaking the revolutionary forces and destroying their journalistic center. Israel wanted to destroy the PLO and to remove all Palestinian and Syrian armed forces from the country. Tens of thousands of innocent civilians, Palestinian and Lebanese, were killed, hurt, or taken hostage. 
the escalation of tensions in the Middle East led to many planned assassinations by Mossad, which would go on to kill hundreds of Palestinian leaders, academics, artists, designers, journalists, and intellectuals. The ongoing Israeli efforts to confiscate Arab land by force, destroying homes and forcing them out of their homes, rallied international support for Palestine and led to the Palestinian Declaration of Independence in November of 1988. But Palestine wasn't the only place in the Middle East experiencing this kind of upheaval. Iran was also working through its own political conflicts in an effort to assert its own national identity. Throughout its history, Iran has been something of a crossroads of civilizations and cultures. Geographically, it is a bridge from the Mediterranean and the Middle East to China, India, and the rest of Asia. The Persians, ancient inhabitants of Iran, learned writing from the Sumerians and began a long tradition of calligraphy. They would develop the art of painted miniatures that are now the most widely known and appreciated art form from the area. With a long history of learning from other cultures, it's no surprise that Western ideas made their way into Iran's traditions of art and design. The earliest example of the West's influence in the art of the Middle East was the founding of the School of Fine Arts in Cairo, Egypt in 1908 by Prince Yusuf Kemal. Then in the decades preceding the Second World War, Iranian art was dominated by two traditions, the Western academic style and Persian miniature paintings. A more modern education was offered by the University of Tehran, founded in 1934. This allowed students to study other artistic movements from the West, such as Impressionism. The influence of the West was encouraged under Mohammad Raza Pahlavi's regime, who was then the Shah of Iran. Both the USA and the UK helped to install the Shah in 1953. Early that year, Eisenhower and Churchill overthrew the democratically elected prime minister, Mohammad Mazadegh. He was elected among political and social chaos, trying and ultimately failing to achieve stability in Iran. Mozadegh's choice to audit the Anglo-Iranian oil company, now a part of what we know as BP, likely did not help with the decision to carry out the 1953 coup. Since the USA helped the Shah seize power, he relied on them throughout his reign to retain it. In the years prior to the revolution, Shah Mohammad Razi Pahlavi was considered one of the world's most powerful and rich rulers. He ruled with absolute authority. The goals of his rule were to turn Iran into progressive industrial military power friendly to Western nations. He planned to use Iran's oil wealth to do so. He had the support of Western powers, mostly the U.S., and forcefully repressed Iranians to accomplish his goals. Despite the U.S.'s involvement and support, they ultimately abandoned the Shah once it became clear the revolution was against him and he couldn't control the people of Iran any longer. The initial protests against the Shah began in the religious city of Ghom and spread throughout Iran. The Shah attempted to stifle the public dissent, which only resulted in several civilian deaths. Following the Shiite custom of commemorating the deceased for 40 days after death, activists then organized mourning ceremonies throughout the country. This was not only to honor the slain protesters, but also to initiate further protests, which was exactly what happened. The protests grew and kick-started a cycle of violence that threw Iran into chaos over the next few years. 
the public sentiment that had been growing against the regime was set to a new high when in August of 1978, the cinema Rex in Tehran was set on fire, killing the 400 plus people trapped inside. The Shah's regime blamed the revolutionists, while the revolutionists blamed the government. All that is known for sure is that four men were seen dousing the building with gasoline before lighting it ablaze. This event renewed public sentiment against the regime and added fuel to the fire of the revolution. Later, the Iranian Republic placed the blame on Captain Manir Tahiri and five other men who were put to death in public. Their trial was more or less to give affected families closure, but it is highly doubtful that these men were actually guilty. A few weeks after the cinema wrecks fire, government tanks and helicopters opened fire on 1,000 protesters in Tehran, killing dozens of people. This event would come to be known as Black Friday and began to appear very shortly after in revolutionary posters. The posters made about this event would depict the violence of that day, showing the victims as martyrs that suffered for the Islamic State. This event was pivotal in the revolution as it further turned the masses against the Shah's rule. On January 16, 1979, Shah Mohammad Rezi Pahlavi fled Iran. On February 1st, Ayatollah Khomeini, who had been a leader of the revolutionary movement, returned from his exile to the cheers of Iranians and emerged as the new leader of a new Republic of Iran. He and his supporters quickly consolidated power in this crucial moment, declaring the monarchy to be dissolved and forming the Islamic Republic of Iran. These changes were solidified in the public order by celebrating them with posters and other graphic designs. They could make them more quickly and with a wider distribution now that the presses were no longer controlled by the Shah. The revolution culminated in an Islamic state, the self-proclaimed and authentic embodiment of pure Islam. To take a look at the posters of the Iranian Revolution, we need to rewind a little bit. In the 1950s and 1960s, an artistic group formed calling themselves the Sakahana Group, named after popular Tehran street shrines commemorating the martyrs of the Battle of Karbala. This group drew heavily on traditional aspects of Iranian culture, such as popular art and calligraphy, while creating images that were modernist in design and color sense. This mix of Western modernity and Iranian tradition would characterize much of the contemporary Iranian art and design, as well as the poster design of the revolution. Two years after the founding of Tehran's Museum of Contemporary Art in 1977, the revolution appeared to threaten modern art and design. The University of Tehran, founded in 1934, kept its footing as an outpost of modernity and Western influence even after the revolution. Despite perhaps conflicting ideology of the revolution and the goals of design and art at the University of Tehran, the revolution had not just religious goals, but to also let Iran emerge with its own identity away from the influence of imperial powers. The posters that commemorated the one-year anniversary of the revolution are a good example of these two seemingly contradictory forces at work. The poster shows a large, simple, and graphic white fist outlined with people inside. The script reads, all Muslims and oppressed people of the world and all Iranian brothers and sisters on the first anniversary of the Islamic Republic of Iran. A verse from the Quran along the top of the poster alludes to the victory of truth over falsehood. The posters appearing from October 1977 to January 1979 were pasted onto walls. 
along with revolutionary graffitied slogans praising the ideologies of the revolution. Posters created after 1979 reimagined the revolution as completely and solely Islamic. However, the revolution was made up of both secular and religious groups. Shiite, Muslim, ritual, and symbolism were key to sustaining the revolutionary energy and the fervor of the people of Iran. So artists and designers emphasized the Shiite aspects of all protests and events to legitimize the new government's claim to spiritual authority. The revolution and its poster art produced multiple layers of meanings and iconographies, bridging the literary and the visual. The multiple meanings defy the reductive explanation of the revolutionary as purely Islamic, although its imagery was key to sustaining it. From their book, Debating Muslims, authors Michael J. Fisher and Mahidi Abidi note that the revolutionary posters of the Iranian Revolution vividly articulate the cultural references of modern Iran, bringing together graphic traditions of the Persian miniature, of murals used as props by epic storytellers, and of the calligraphy and arabesque designs. The use of images and symbolism made revolution posters easy to understand, even for the illiterate, which was an issue in Iran at the time. At the time of the revolution, a large percentage of the population was illiterate, but they understood a wide range of images going back hundreds of years. The propaganda relied on minimal words and maximum impact of graphics. The revolution revitalized and used these images for political ends. By the 1980s, the Islamic Republic of Iran was in full control of the collectively held symbols that were used to mobilize a people. Iranian revolution posters used bold forms and intense colors such as red, green, black, and white, the same colors used in Palestinian resistance posters. They alluded to battle scenes from the Quran or classic Persian poetry as well as cultural events from the revolution. They were meant to convey abstract ideologies to large numbers of people that merged imagery, calligraphy, rhetoric, and politics. Because printing presses were government controlled, these posters were produced in makeshift workshops, both by professional and amateur artists and designers. The posters would appear overnight and were shortly ripped down or painted over by the government. Of course, the protesters would put up more in an endless cycle that lasted until the Shah was dethroned and the revolution was complete. The People's Mojeddin was the first Iranian organization to develop a modern revolutionary interpretation of Islam through their posters. The group was founded in 1965 to oppose the Shah's regime. The group's founders were all students of the University of Tehran and associated with the leftist freedom movement of Iran. In an uncredited poster from the group, known as the poster with a chained hand, a disembodied fist breaks out of its chains. Above the group's logo, which is a hand gripping a Sith and a rifle below a five-pointed star in a circle. Smaller encircled portraits of Khomeini and Dr. Ali Sharia Ati are on the right side of the fist. The overlap of the religious and anti-colonial symbols in these posters emerges alongside Marxist iconography. The slogan at the bottom of the poster reads, Towards a Classless, Taudi Society. Tawhid is an Islamic term for monotheism that came to mean unity and classlessness. The poster shows a visual connection between Islam and Marxism. Another subject for posters was martyrdom, past or present. Posters for Zanib portray the Battle of Karbala, which was also a popular topic. 
The battle took place in 608 AD when Hossein, grandson of the Islamic prophet Muhammad, went against Umayyad Caliph Yazid. Zanib, Hussein's sister, was also known for her leadership after the Battle of Karabala. The poster shows an outlined silhouette of a woman with her hand outstretched, smashing against a crowned figure with many smaller figures of Iranian women on top of her. It is a message for women of Iran to persevere and stay strong. The crowned figure is bright red and green, the crown of Yazid. She is destroying the palace and the crown at once, with the words below her reading, Zanib, of spokesperson of Ali. The focus on a martyrdom story from the past urges action in the present, reminding Iranians to be ready to shed blood for the revolution. Martyrdom commemoration posters had two functions, to commemorate the fallen and to sanctify the loss of life by those actively engaged in the revolutionary struggle. The poster that shows the martyr of Mohammed Bazargani, who was killed in 1988, is a simple black and white portrait with a verse from the Quran in calligraphy that reads, God prefers the holy martyr to those who desist. The Iranian Revolution was one of the most important influences on contemporary Iranian art. It was a turning point for artists and designers that questioned all preceding values. Three generations of Iranian artists, designers, and creatives were affected by the revolution. The first were those living and working at the time of the revolution. They formed their practice through studying at universities and art schools while also studying and living abroad. They were among the most important generation of artists and designers of Iran, with their efforts being primarily to present an image and identity of Iran through their work. They faced many difficulties during the revolution. Younger artists and designers questioned their methods and often opposed them. The second group were those actively involved in the revolution. They shared the quality of moving away from pure art and design to make politically engaged work. They believed in their goals and sought to put their art in the streets rather than in galleries. The most active were the photographers and the graphic designers who were carried away by a sense of urgency and speed as they saw history unfolding before their eyes. The third group had time to question the revolution and started their careers in stability. They grew up during a very turbulent time and endured the war and its violent offense. Their work is a response to the new social order. Thus, a country that was once heralded as a paragon of modernization underwent a revolution whose message was steeped in localized imagery, demanding an idealized return to the past and forcefully separating the country from any and all Western influence. Today, Palestine still suffers from Israeli aggression. New designers and artists are creating posters and designs about the bombing and deaths of innocent civilians. This time, they are working digitally as well, spreading awareness about the ongoing crisis worldwide. The Palestine Poster Project is a digital archive of Palestinian political posters and had 572 posters created in 2020 and 351 in 2021, showing that the struggle of the people of Palestine is far from over. Despite the new Republic of Iran banning and being strict with the arts, artists who went into exile post-revolution slowly came back during the 1990s. Today, there's a fierce revival of Iranian cultural identity in art and graphic design, with many designers in modern Iran producing bold and dynamic posters. Political posters in the Middle East helped to change the course of history. These posters rallied, comforted, commemorated, electrified, and called people to swift action. 
They cried out against injustice, demanded a better world order, recorded and memorialized history, and ultimately helped to affirm the national and cultural identity of the people. This episode was produced with the aid of a grant from the University of Central Oklahoma. Research and writing credits for this episode are from research assistant Dean Kelly, with additional research assistance provided by Ebony Sales. Story editing provided by Spencer Gee. Sound design and engineering by the University of Central Oklahoma's Center for E-Learning and Connected Environments. Music by Christina Giacona and Patrick Conlon of Onyx Lane. If you would like to contact me about this episode or about the podcast, please email me at hello at idh.fm. That is hello at idh.fm. The website can be found at idh.fm. You can also connect with us on Instagram at incomplete design history.